It took a crazy turn of events in the soy complex, but corn did close slightly higher with wheat futures lower on the day. Early gains in the cattle complex turned into a mixed close, while lean hog futures ended the day with moderate losses. Live from our second helping of autumn via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Dwayne Bossy from Bolt Marketing. Directly following the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. And later, Kerry Artak from ArtakAdvisory.com. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis, thank you so much. Yeah, we're probably going to have to work at keeping our guest analyst's attention today. Yeah, he's a little busy right now. Yeah, he is a little busy right now. He's driving grain cart. I'm sure he's got his binoculars with him. He's keeping an uh-huh. eye out there for deer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, you know, doing a little scouting while he's out working. And, and yeah. now we're going to throw this third thing on top of him. I don't know if Dwayne can handle three things at once. Yeah, three things might be might be too many. I don't know, though. He's a pretty smart guy. He's he a pretty is. smart guy. Yeah. He is. Yeah. I'm taking the over or the under, whichever see, one is good. See, I'm not sure. that's you. That is you with your optimism and your can do itiveness. I thought I so. I love it. I felt optimistic, you know? Oh, I, I'm feeling it myself now, <sighs> even though it is gloomy and uh-huh. 46 degrees with a little bit of a wind blowing out there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, the second fall. The second mm-hmm. fall. I think maybe I, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a little harder to take than even the first fall, Davis. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the it's the realization that there's probably no going back from here. It's right. straight ahead into deep, exactly. dark winter. You know, so I was checking out the local news over the lunch hour mm-hmm. since November one. Since November one, Waterloo, Iowa, has recorded two one hundredths of an inch of rain. Wow. Two one hundredths of an inch of rain. That's there's not guys there's guys out there on social media that are going, Hey Chip, look out for next year. It's gonna be a bin buster. We're putting all kinds of soil moisture away. And I'm thinking to myself, what rain? Right. Well, yeah, we're hurting. We are hurting for a good shower here in northeast Iowa. Uh, there was a little bit of rain up in Dwayne Bussey's uh, territory this morning, but mm-hmm. there he is back out in the field here this afternoon. We'll talk to Dwayne coming up in just a little bit. Yep. Uh, you ready? Should we get rolling? I think we can do that. Yeah, Let's I'm all do set. It. Yeah, I'm all set up. December soft red winter wheat futures posted a fifth consecutive lower close and a fifth consecutive session low with the close below the opening range. Despite uh, downside momentum is building in the market intraday from day to day, chart watchers warn, however, that December SRW bottomed today just one penny above the September 29 contract low chip. That could trigger a round of short covering with the market oversold. USDA reported export inspections of wheat in the weekend of November 16 totaled just over 358,000 metric tons in line with trade expectations. December hard red winter wheat futures today, seven and one half cents lower, six ten and one half. December SRW wheat down seven and one quarter to five forty three and one half. December spring wheat closed at seven oh seven and a quarter, down eight and one quarter cents, Chip. Yeah, it's a not a great scenario when the most bullish thing that you can say is that a market is oversold, and that's what we're dealing with with uh wheat right now. 
December corn opened steady and traded lower up until mid-morning. Strength in the soy complex helped to lift corn prices, with the weakness in wheat prices limiting the gains in corn. USDA this morning reported corn export inspections in the weekend of November 16 totaled nearly 554,000 metric tons. That was in line with trade expectations, but the shipping pace did little to support prices. USDA this morning also announced the sale of 104,000 metric tons of corn for Mexico for delivery in the current marketing year. A weather forecast calling for scattered summertime showers in central Brazil also limited strength in corn futures. December corn futures two and a half cents higher, 469 and one half. March corn up two and a quarter cents, 487 and one half. May corn futures closed at 497 and three quarters. Chip, that's up one and three quarters today. Yeah, the penny and a half to two and a half cent gains in corn was all about the bean market today and a really nice rally there. Well, let's talk about it. Soybean futures were moderately lower at mid-morning and rallied sharply to end sharply higher. Weekend rains were lacking in central Brazil to help support bean prices. Soybean oil futures also followed gains in crude oil futures to provide support for soybeans. Export inspections of beans in the weekend of November 16 totaled 1.61 million metric tons in line with trade expectations. China continues to focus on imports of Brazilian soybeans with its Brazilian bean buys up 71% in October, up 71% from a year ago, Chip. January soybean futures opened slightly lower and traded lower until mid-morning, then rallied to close above Friday's high to post a solid upside reversal. January soybean futures 27 cents higher today, 1367 and a quarter. March beans up 26 and three quarters, 1283 and a quarter. May beans closed at 1395. That's up 26, Chip. Yeah, almost 40 cents from the lows of the day to the to the close. I mean, it was like a it. heck of a rally in there and helped out everything. Uh, good chart performance. We'll see if we can get some follow-through to it. Well, December cotton was 95 points lower today at 77.97. On your livestock's live cattle futures gapped higher following Friday's cattle on feed report, then retreated to post a low-range close. December live cattle futures down 27.5 cents to 175.47 and one half. January feeder futures a buck 35 higher, 229.85. And December lean hog futures 62.5 lower, 70.35. The February contract down 40, 75.05. Chip. Yeah, like a 39 cent turnaround in that uh, January soybean meal con or soybean contract today. I was doing the math here before I get Jack Scoville in. Let's bring him in right now. Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group. How you doing, buddy? Hey, having a great day. Nice, uh, nice way to start the week. At least if you're into soybeans. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, what do you make of it? What What got behind it? Well, you know, it, it's good. A really good question. Uh, there may have been some business getting done that I don't know about, but um, I kind of think that you know, the confirmation that. Um, uh, the current rains in central and northern Brazil are going to be kind of a one-week thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, help support the market, and um, uh, in fact, really supported the market in through yeah. here. Uh, yeah. Looks like uh, the rains will be pretty beneficial this week, but uh, turning back dry next week, and the rains, uh, heavy rains, continuing in southern Brazil this weekend next. Certainly, the certainly the country is not out of the woods yet, and I think that's right. supporting the market in through here. Right. As I say, there may have been some demand on the lower moves, too. Okay. Jack, the planting pace on the Brazilian soybean crop as of last Thursday was way behind, or 10 points, 11 points behind the year-ago pace. Uh, 
this is kind of the week where they'll just decide to go get it planted or or not plant them and change their crop plans, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And uh, remember, um, the delayed uh, bean plantings means delayed corn plantings, which means mm-hmm. corn probably won't be planted at all in central and northern Brazil because of the uh, dry weather situation, uh, the tropical weather situation. This is the rainy season now. <laughs> they, excuse me. They yep. want to get the beans out and the corn in while the rainy season is still going on so they can get the corn through pollination. If they can't do that, then they're simply not going to plant. Right, right. lot being decided on the size of the acreage in Brazil right now. No doubt about it. Jack, good stuff, buddy. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and everybody else. All right. Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group. Dwayne Bussey, up next. At United Animal Health, we all share a love for animals. We have devoted our lives to agriculture and to the well-being and productivity of animals. With our guiding principle to always have the best answer, we listen to the animal and let the animal tell us what works and what doesn't. We know that if the animal is healthy and productive, so is the producer, the consumer, and our communities. Learn more at unitedanh.com. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us on this Monday afternoon. Davis, it's, it's, yes. it's Thanksgiving week. It really is. Yes. How, okay, so so I've got about an 11-pound bird. Is it time for me to set it out and thaw it, or do I put it in the fridge now? What? I'd put it, if you're going to be cooking it on Thursday, I think I would have it in the fridge by now, yeah. Okay, but I'm I'm not cooking until Friday, so you're saying I'm probably okay then. I'd still probably put it in the fridge. You would put it in the fridge yesterday? Uh, At least today. Okay, okay. That is I don't have to worry about it. That is helpful. Go go do it now, Davis. uh, Do it now? Yeah, we'll give you this. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. (laughs) We'll handle it from here. All right. Uh, let's bring him in. Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing up in Britain, South Dakota. Dwayne, it's good to talk with you again, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, Chip. I'm kind of envisioning Davis doing one of those commercials we've seen where somebody takes that frozen turkey and tries to deep yeah. fat fry it. Deep and fat the fry. On fire. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You get the fireball of grease above the, uh, <laughs> the, the roof of the garage. Yeah. That, that's yeah, yeah. that's Never what I'm thing. envisioning, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'd still eat it, though. It probably tastes good, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I may have been exposed to a grease fire bird one time. They're not really that good. <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, how's everything up your way? What's the weather I'm look back. like? I'm back. Um, <laughs> it's all set. Turkey's in the Turkey's in the fridge. Okay, good. Now back to you. Good, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that update, bud. <laughs> How's the um, weather up your way? The weather, it's been great. Yeah, I did have a little bit of rain this morning, so I changed gears on you, and we decided to let the the dryer catch up and dry some of that really wet 21% corn in the bottom of the bend. But I did run out in the tractor. and going to do some tillage work until we fire up the combine. But, oh, it's been a nice fall, and thank goodness we had – plenty of acres to go over so we're looking at wrapping up in a day or so and that'll be 
I'll be very thankful come Thanksgiving, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, a year ago, you guys had a, a, a decent corn crop up there, right? But this mm-hmm. year was even better. Yeah, it, it's a good one up here. I, I got to admit. And, and I feel bad saying it because I know there was some drought in some areas and that. But we kind of had rains all year uh, sporadic, which actually that's part of our problem. We kind of had our corn planting delayed a little bit, some late planted corn and made for some wet corn come harvest season. And that takes a little longer on the dryer. But also, if you got a lot of bushels, it takes a little longer. So a, a good problem to have that we're still plugging through it up here. Yeah. A late, a late spring is kind of selling it a little bit short, Dwayne, because <laughs> I remember doing a farmer's forum with Gene Millard from Northwest Missouri. And after I got that done on that Wednesday... <laughs> I think it was that same day you sent me pictures of fish that you caught through the ice. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, it was a late spring. <laughs> that was really good late ice fishing, though. I mean, it was getting a little sketchy towards the end. But, yeah, you guys are all planting corn. I'm catching some really nice walleyes and limiting out. I'm like, I didn't, you know, exactly. you never tell anyone you're doing that good fishing, but I'm supposed to be in a tractor cab. And here we are we're pulling walleyes like that. God, it was crazy. <laughs> It was, it was a absolutely late, right? crazy. Yeah. So even with all of that, uh, during Commodity Classic, you guys just got dumped on with snow. Uh, mm-hmm. It uh, it was a late start. But, boy, talk about, you know, if, if there's one thing that I learned from the 2023 growing season up in northwest part of the, the Corn Belt is uh, – uh, just stick with it, stick with it and go full bore with it because you don't know what that middle of the growing season is going to do for you. And it turned out about perfect. You know, you're right. We really don't change varieties or day length on our yep. corn. We're pretty much going to plant our, which is probably the 92 to 96 day corn up here. We're going to plant it no matter how late it is. Cause honestly, studies show you'll get your yield. It might be a little wetter. Um, but mm-hmm. you now put yourself in a nice dryer and get it dried down. You'll get the bushels. It'll pay for itself eventually. So no, you're right. It you just mm-hmm. you just got to be patient and stay the course. And yep. you know, I can say it now when it's been you know 56 degrees and nice out. I can say like it's no big deal. <laughs> Call me next year at this time. I'm going to be going through snow and going. I hate farming. I'm done. <laughs> so, who knows? Right. Right. No. Good <laughs> stuff. Good stuff. So this morning when you sent a note my way, you said you're having a hard time being bearish beans. And when you sent that mm-hmm. note, beans were like a dime, 12 cents lower. They rallied 41 cents from the low in the January contract to the high of the day, closed just below the high of the day. Mm-hmm. What's your attitude now? Yeah, even more so I like it, but. That wasn't me buying all that. <laughs> Our firm isn't nearly that big. We we don't can't force the market that much higher. But I, I think Jack nailed it too. You know, it, it's probably about the the forecast in Brazil, and they are getting some rains now in northwestern yeah. Brazil, where the drought has been the worst. But they're getting average rainfall this week, and as dry as they've been, I don't know if average rainfall really cuts it and gets them back to where they need to be. And, and there is some forecast midday that have them we're putting another high ridge of heat or dome of doom if you could say 
first part of December over the same dry area. So I think the market overdid it to the downside a little bit late last week. And, you know, like I said, I'm bullish just because of our tight supplies. And then when you get a weather forecast like this here, they're threatening any global supplies for soybeans in the world. You get a nice update like this. I, maybe we slightly overdid it today, too, but I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, during the, the 80 cent to a dollar rally that we had in beans leading up to this, you know, kind of a setback and correction, um, it, it soybean meal and beans traded together. Today, soybean mm-hmm. oil was trading to the upside with support coming from crude oil. And for the first time in a while, and I've been in and out, okay? So I ha- it's not like I've been watching the markets like I normally do. But today, it felt like soybeans reacted to the gains in soybean oil very willingly. Would, would you say that's accurate? I No, I think that is accurate. And I, I think that's a very good sign. And one of those reasons why I'm just supportive of that market. Um, you're right. You know, meal led the rally before. Meal red rally is great. You know, Argentina doesn't have many soybeans, so they're not crushing. So th- that rally is great. But that news is kind of behind us. But our oil stocks, Chip are really low here and there's this more and more talk of the veg oil demand coming and and i think now i think you might have the oil market starting to rally up right with the rest of them and that's really fun because usually you got spreaders between those three commodities but if they're all three going to rally a little bit you could have a pretty strong market but obviously they're all still tied to you need need that bullish catalyst which is hopefully a drought in south america but we'll see yeah 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 it it used to be that we would say if soybean oil engages in a rally with meal and beans that it's kind of icing on the cake at least soybean oil isn't holding the market back Dwayne, mm-hmm. du- i feel like if soybean soybean oil decides that it just simply had gotten too cheap i can see that market back up to 65 cents in a heartbeat can't you yeah, it sure can. I, I think there again, too, there's a market when it got below 50 was too low. Yeah. Um, and you're right, especially for our supplies right now. So I think you're seeing some strong demand come back. And, and that's just bullish fundamental. Like, you know, the price got so low and you look, our supply is tight. This is should be really good support for soybean oil, even if guys want to do some spreading between meal and oil, buying meal, selling oil. I don't think oil wants to go below 50 again. And I, I don't think it will. Um Long-term demand looks very good there. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly does. And we're going to be talking more about that later this week with the the expansion of the crush capacity and everything. Mm-hmm. But you look at the the October NOPA data, and mm-hmm. it seems to be happening. The biggest crush month ever. And then to your point on soybean oil demand, we had the biggest crush month ever, and bean oil stocks went down. And th- yeah. That should have changed attitudes a bit. It really should have. I think we're down to like about a 14-year low on soybean oil stocks. And like you said, when we're crushing this much, I thought that was going to be the problem. You know, sure, we're going to crush a lot because we want the meal, but no, the oil's still very down. Now, I guess there's some talk that the oil content's been a little bit lower this year. I don't know, whatever. As long as we can have a lot of oil, I'm somewhat happy. Those crush plants coming align are big up our way, too. Aberdeen put in the plant. AGP did not too long ago. Now Spiritwood came online. All of our soybeans in my area, northeast South Dakota, used to just, it was all exported to China, out to P&W. 
I talked to all the local elevators. Now, not a single kernel goes that way. They're all hanging on to them and going to the crush plants because they get a bigger dividend. So, world's changing a little. Yeah. World is changing a lot. There is no question about it. And, uh, it's it's the the this change has been described as one of the biggest disruption in market flows and grain flows since ethanol back in 05 to 07. And I think that's probably right. We're going to keep the conversation going with Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing here on AgriTalk. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes. Where December hard red winter wheat futures were seven and one half cents lower, six ten and one half. December SRW wheat down seven and one quarter to five forty three and one half. December corn futures two and one half cents higher today, four sixty nine and one half. March corn up two and a quarter, four eighty seven and one half. January soybean futures twenty seven cents higher, thirteen sixty seven and one quarter. March beans up twenty six and three quarter cents to twelve eighty three and a quarter. December cotton, 95 points lower, 77.97. On your livestocks, December fat cattle futures were down 27 and one half to 175.47 and a half. January feeders, a buck 35 higher, 229.85. December lean hogs, 62 and one half cents lower today to close at 70.35. Get more market news every market day. Try profarmer.com. At United Animal Health, we all share a love for animals. We have devoted our lives to agriculture and to the well-being and productivity of animals. With our guiding principle to always have the best answer, we listen to the animal and let the animal tell us what works and what doesn't. We know that if the animal is healthy and productive, so is the producer, the consumer, and our communities. Learn more at unitedanh.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. We are in the middle of a conversation with Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing up in Britain, South Dakota. Dwayne, I was looking at the charts again and kind of comparing some notes on on what happened here this morning. And all of a sudden, I became less impressed with the way that the corn market performed today. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, beans had to scream to the upside to get two, three cents out or penny and a half to two and a half out of corn. That's a little concerning, isn't it? No, it's very concerning. Corn is <laughs> just kind of boring, kind of a dog. I mean, I'm not going to call it a dirty word like wheat, but <laughs> wheat was even worse. But, <laughs> but and I'm sorry for all the wheat guys out there, but if they, if they look at a chart, they know what I mean there, too. Yeah. Um, no, corn has been tough. And, you know, we don't have a supply pinch there, right, Chip? I mean, mm-hmm. not at all. Um, in fact, you know, well over 2 billion bushels. I'm kind of worried that ending stock might grow a little bit more in corn. Uh no, it's tough. And but maybe this is what the market has to do though, too, when you start thinking of next year. You know, we're a little tight yep. in soybeans. We're not at all in corn. Maybe we need something like I'm thinking like a four million acre switch from corn to uh from corn to soybeans, yeah. Four million. I know it, it sounds like a lot. Um 
and may, the market's probably got some work to do to get there. But mm-hmm. I, I think the balance sheets would allow that to happen quite easily, really. Well, of course, it always depends what kind of trend line yield you want to put in there for corn. But uh, mm-hmm. you can lose 4 million acres and have a 180 for a yield and still be very, very comfortable on the corn side. Right. Too comfortable. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you're up in the area where if that kind of a switch is going to happen, that you're in the area that's going to make that happen, right? I, yeah, you're right. Um, no, we switch acres quite easily up here. And you get into North Dakota, we got some growers up there. They haven't had the nice weather. They they got some snow early, and it's it's been a bear getting some of the corn out. And we have really short-term memories up here. Um, mm-hmm. If you have a long corn harvest, uh, you, you start to swear corn off a little bit, and you plant extra beans next year. Now, and if the market allows that, say pushes and say, geez, I'm going to make even more money on beans and corn anyway, which is hard to do up here. Uh, it's pretty easy to go ahead and just plant beans earlier. You know, it used to be, you thought you couldn't plant beans that early, you know, right. so you just planted an extra eight or quarter of corn if the weather was good. Well now, geez, everyone wants to plant beans at the same time anyway. So right. I, you could see a 4 million acre switch. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole lot easier to pull the pin on the corn planter uh, because of the change in, in the management plans to to get beans planted is, you know, well, not, maybe not as early as possible, but much earlier than what uh, than than what had mm-hmm. been the norm forever. Uh, yeah, you got to stop catching walleyes through the ice to plant beans, though. That that is old rule of thumb um, up here. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, yeah. <laughs> oh man uh you know i've just what kind of a mix do you think the market is going to shoot for you are you thinking it's going to shoot for that four million move in acres from corn over to beans and what kind of a price ah geez i hate really talking about price relationship but i'll ask you what kind of a price relationship is it going to take to move that many acres yeah, no, it, it is tough because, it, you know, yeah, it, it depends. You're looking at yeah. a couple different variables there, two different prices. But, no, that's all right. I mean, it. What does it take that $14 no bean? Maybe something close to that. And if Brazil struggles weather-wise, you know, that's not that far-fetched at all. Uh, this market right. takes off. You know, markets go too high and they go too low. It's just, that's the only thing I really do know about markets is they overextend themselves. So if you get, you know, $14 soybeans and corns at a five thirty five or something, which I don't know, that's still, maybe that's too high for corn to really get that switch, yeah. but uh, something like that, Chip. Yeah. You know, coming off a crop tour this last year, and even when I was on crop tour, looking at the, at what I thought was a corn crop that was, overperforming for the uh, weather that, that we had versus a bean crop that really had me concerned. Uh, Mm -hmm. My attitude was that we were going to see the corn bean price ratio go to three to one uh, on the Dece, uh, on the Nove Dece uh, 24 contracts. I don't think Mm -hmm. we've been there yet, but uh, the, that's the kind of relationship I think it's going to take to move that many acres, Dwayne. I, you're right. Now, I should have spoken that ratio terms, too. No, we're no more like that 2.8 right now, and that will not get that switch I'm talking about. Right. Yeah, I, you got to be that 3 to 1, maybe 3.1, maybe 3.25 to 1. I, yeah. That sounds crazy, but the, 
that would make the switch because, oh yeah, you know, as we talked about those prices, if you still have five twenty five, five thirty five, if someone can get five dollar cash corn off the combine, they're still going to plant corn. So yeah. I, I think you need that bigger ratio then. Yeah, you're exactly right. I I, I think you're exactly right. It it, uh, it it takes quite a bit to move some of those acres around. Um, you mentioned wheat. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you real quick. Mm-hmm. Got the Dece SRW within a penny of that low that we posted back early fall. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't know what stops the market from going through it. I I don't know either. I, I keep trying to say, you know, we should have made harvest lows by now. Seasonally, we should go higher. And, and I'm right saying that stuff. Seasonally, yep. we should go higher. The market needs a reason, though, Chip. And, yeah. and now you can even have a, a shipment, a, a ship that's uh, rented or owned by Cargill get struck by a bomb or something in Ukraine yeah. over the weekend. It didn't even stir the market. We went down yeah. made lows. Funds are record short Minneapolis wheat. No one's afraid of that market right now. And I... Boy, we need China to come in and buy some wheat from us or something to to scare the shorts. Uh, otherwise, they'll just stay short. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they, they, they've uh, the funds have uh, figured out how to show some persistence in their positioning. Whether we're talking about cattle trade, grain trade, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but the funds have started to move out of that cattle market. There's no question about that, right? Yeah, yeah, they have. I, I think all of us are just a little bit disappointed in the commitment of traders report. As much as a dive of we've seen in the cattle market, I kind of thought maybe they got completely out of their lungs, but they, they really haven't. They're they're still on that market. They got out of a whole lot of the feeders, which is good to see. But yeah, funds drive that cattle market anymore, Chip. I, and we love it when they're buying. We have no yeah. problem with the funds being in it. When they're selling, we all hate them, and they're, right. they're the devil, and they're they're yeah, making they're worse the than fictitious. <laughs> oh, that's really tough. But yeah, I yeah. think you're probably right when they drive it down. But we yeah. got to realize that's the market we've got here now, Chip. Um, with them being in the cattle market, they're going to make wild swings out of this because we don't have the volume you do in corn or anything. So just buckle up and be prepared for more of those big days like we saw the worst part is it makes it really hard for a hedger to even get in a market because if you sell feeder cattle thinking you're protecting your cow calf operation then all of a sudden you're wrong because one day you rally eight dollars oh there's a there's a call you get the next morning called a margin call that's pretty nasty darn right darn right so it feels like the setback in the live cattle market probably continues here for a little bit but that doesn't mean that we don't make another run at the highs in 24, does it? I I think that's still open. Um, you know, a lot of us are looking at the the estimates and production should be down. And, and I agree with that. I, I guess right now I'm going to say the trade action tells me to be bearish and, and I'll mm-hmm. stick with that for now. But you look at a long-term chart chip, you could pull nearby cattle down to 166 area and still be in a very beautiful mm. long-term upward trend line out of the COVID lows, which I know guys don't want to hear 166, but that's not a bad price. If we find support there and seasonally we bottom, you know, first week in December, say we crash down to there now, gosh, we could climb back out of it and still see those highs in 2024, but we'll, we'll need some help again. And we need uh, gas prices to stay super low. So people keep buying the high price meat cuts too. Yeah. Yeah. The uh it it's been amazing. Gas price has sat back as we've gotten into holiday travel here, Dwayne. I, I think that's that's helping on on the grocery. 
you know, it's helping on the grocery bill, but every time I go to the grocery store, Dwayne, it still just makes my head spin what the total comes to. I, it, the affordability <laughs> issue is real. Oh, it, yeah. Actually, it really is. It It is. It, it made me nervous this year. I, I was really worried that with the economy, people would start to struggle and back off buying meat, but they really have not. The demand yeah. has been very strong. Um, yeah, with two active kids in, in sports and driving all over the place, I look at our credit card bill and think, holy cow, but yeah. <laughs> thank goodness. But I can't, I'm not cutting out meat. I mean, no, goodness, <laughs> no, and do that or, or, or beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Attaboy, attaboy. Well, you know, but when you, when you drink the, uh, the, the variety of beer that I've seen in your refrigerator up there, Dwayne, yeah. it, it, it really doesn't cost that much money to drink beer. <laughs> oh, you're so right. I'm such a cheapskate. Yeah. <laughs> Water down Coors Light, whatever works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's too good, too good. That's but it funny. is something that we're going to have to watch in the in the year ahead. And then when we flip that calendar uh, to January and and families start rethinking their budgets for the year ahead, the yeah. first couple of months of beef demand are going to be pretty critical in setting the tone, isn't it? It is. And, yeah, to get back to business, it, it, I'm nervous because our cattle prices are historically high, right? Or they have been. Brazil's are not high. Um, Canada is yeah. not high. So, therefore, our export demand is almost nothing. I mean, it hasn't been bad, but it's not great. And, and I'm worried we're importing more calves into our feedlots. And that's yeah. maybe why the placement numbers have been higher the last couple months. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Dwayne, be safe out there. Happy Thanksgiving to you, my friend. And uh, we will talk again real soon. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Joe. All right. That is Dwayne Bussey, Bolt Marketing up in Britain, South Dakota. Okay. What are the charts telling us? We'll find out from Kerry Artac, Artac Advisory, next right here on AgriTalk. At United Animal Health, we all share a love for animals. We have devoted our lives to agriculture and to the well-being and productivity of animals. With our guiding principle to always have the best answer, we listen to the animal and let the animal tell us what works and what doesn't. We know that if the animal is healthy and productive, so is the producer, the consumer, and our communities. Learn more at unitedanh.com. Chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Good conversation there with Dwayne Bussey from uh, uh, Bolt Marketing up in Britain, South Dakota. He just sent me another text. What? Yeah. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> he's got a board full of walleyes that were caught through the ice while guys were planting corn down in southern Iowa and, mm-hmm. and northwest uh, uh, Missouri this spring. So, mm-hmm. it boy, it sounds like he's a, got his priorities aligned correctly to me. Well, uh, I I would tend to argue that you are correct with that, mm-hmm. sir. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, it is Monday afternoon. Let's bring in Kerry Artak, Artak Advisory. How you doing, Kerry? I'm doing great, Chip. Thanks for having me. How are you? How are you? We're doing real fine. It's 47 degrees. We got a little bit of moisture in the air, but nothing too serious. Uh, 
But we'll have to live with it, I guess, Carrie. We'll have to live with it. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> All right, let's get started. What you got? These corn. Yeah, December corn. This is. I sound like a broken record here, but uh, there is a, a six-year former channel top uh, that six years inside of a very horizontal structure on the weekly continuation chart. We pushed through that uh, in 2021, you know, a couple of years ago that set off a big rally. Uh, and now we're easing right back to it. We actually tested it a week or two ago. Um, it is a floor of support that can contain selling uh, into spring, summer of next year. And from here, I mean, there's no buy signal at play. It's just that we're hovering above a long-term floor of support. And so I'll say that over the next three to five weeks, we just might reach 505 and a quarter. And over the next three to five months, 545 even wouldn't surprise me. Now, we need a buy signal to reach that 545, and that would actually come with a settlement above 505 and a quarter. Now, you know, we're trading 469 half, so we're not going to see 505 and a quarter anytime soon, but we might see it by the end of the year. It can contain monthly buying pressures when tested, and if settled above, would then signal that 545 within probably another three to five weeks where we could top out into next spring. Now, for the downside, if we close below 460 half, that is such a long-term line study. I like to use the 1% violation threshold for what I call technical clarity, and that would be a 456 even settlement on Friday or lower December corn uh, that would then set off, uh, you know, longer term bearish continuation. I would then anticipate the 412, 417 region roughly within probably, well, let's just say by the end of winter as we move into February, March. And uh, quite honestly, by this point next year, autumn of 24, I wouldn't be surprised to see the 320s, but not unless we close below 460 half. Until then, we're just hanging out here. And there's really nowhere to go but up unless we close below it. Uh, on to February live cattle, we closed 176.65. We had a sell signal three weeks ago above a, a below rather a one-year rising channel bottom. That is this week at 181.65. It is our ceiling of resistance uh, into later winter and below which a three-year rising channel bottom at 166.37 remains a two to three month downside objective. And that really is the big picture in a nutshell with respect to the broader feeder cattle market below the low 180s, expecting the mid 160s. Both of those are actually rising on a weekly basis. 166.37, if tested over the next few months, can absorb selling into next summer. It does define the basis of a three-year bull trend that stems off that COVID 2020 low. Mm -hmm. Upside, if we close above 181.65 at the end of this week, uh, I don't see that. But if so, uh, then uh, that neutralizes that sell signal, and it actually allows over the next three, four, five months or so, a return to the 195.10 three-year channel top, okay. which we tested in July and September several times over the last four or five months. It held nicely, and the basis, the bottom of that channel is that 166.37 level. So if we close back above 181.65, I think over the next few months, we could actually rally back into the mid-190s where we could top out into next summer. And finally, February lean hogs. We rolled recently from December to February. February was higher priced, a 75.05 settlement, but it didn't roll above a channel bottom that is about, oh, I don't know, seven-year channel structure that we settled below a couple of months ago that set off a long-term sell signal down to 58.17. So that long-term sell signal remains in play 
Fourth February lean hogs at 76.55. We're about a buck and a half below that point right now. It is our ceiling of resistance through the balance of February contract life. Now, the February contract is not going to fall to 58.17, I don't think. Okay. I think that would be up to probably April or the June contracts. But I do think February is in reach of 65 even over the next month or two, where it could actually bottom out into its expiration. Now, if we do close the week above 76.55, that does neutralize that long-term sell signal from a couple of months ago. And I would expect February to rally to 81 and a quarter within probably three to five weeks where it could actually top out into its expiration. Uh, if we were to close above 81 and a quarter, then the broader market, the back months even, should rally into the 97 half region. Yeah. So the way I'm framing the big picture for Feb lean hogs or the lean hog market in particular is uh, holding below 76.55, expecting 58.17 over the next three to five months. And not unless we can close above 81 and a quarter do I see a rally uh, afoot, uh, 97.50 then expected within three to five months where we could actually top out into next summer. And that pretty much rounds out the technicals, uh, Chip, for this week. Yeah, that 81 and a quarter get us back up to that September 20 high in that uh, February contract. A little bit of work to do to get there, no question about it. But who knows? Who That's knows? Right. we got a lot of short covering that needs to happen in those hogs, and it would be nice to see a rally into the end of the year. Kerry, good stuff, yeah, man. Thank you. Above, if we close above 76.55, we'll get that short cover rally. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. I appreciate it. You have a great week. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you there, Kerry. You too, and to, right. and to the entire staff. I appreciate it. You bet. Carrie Artak, Artak Advisory. Go to artakadvisory.com, A-R-T-A-C, advisory.com, and uh, check it out. Two-week free trial. Carrie will get that going for you to his uh, daily service. Man, it looks like Speedo weather up in Alaska, I was just going to say, I'm headed to Alaska to test out my Speedos. Above normal temperatures, top to bottom, baby. Top to bottom. That's exactly right. Uh, middle of the country, November 26th through the 30th in the 6- to 10-day outlook. We've got below normal temperatures expected over most of the Corn Belt. The, the, the exception, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Western Minnesota. Below normal precipitation has made its way back into the outlook for most of the uh, Midwest. And in the 8- to 14-day, real quick, this is for November 28th through December 4th. The above normal temperatures up in the northwest production areas. We've got near normal in the middle of the country and below normal temperatures expected in the south and southeast. Below normal precipitation expected over most of the Corn Belt. Thank you so much for listening this morning. We, this afternoon, we're talking Brazilian weather tomorrow morning with Kirk Hans, BAM WX.